Are you ready to receive from the Lord today, from his word? Amen. Well, we're gonna get started looking in Philippians chapter two today. If you would like to pray this prayer with me, repeat this prayer after me and let's pray this prayer to just open our hearts and to receive from the Lord. So repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I believe in the power of your word to change my life. Make me more like you through your word today. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. As technology increases and personal touch decreases, good friends and the right kind of people around you are gonna be even more and more important, I believe. <coughs> Excuse me. Some people just seem to know how to have good friends and they know how to have the right people around them. That's kind of a skill. Our youngest son graduated from high school this week. Very proud of him. And uh, he, thank you, he has the best friends. I'm just so proud of him and the friends that he has, the friend groups that he has. He played football, he played basketball, he has friends on both of those. He just seems to have different friend groups around the school. He has his church friend groups, and a lot of them, because our student ministry is reaching uh, kids all over the county, right? So he has friends from, you know, Waller and Willis and all kinds of places and just love and proud of him with those friend groups. So we're gonna talk about that a little bit today. But even though school is out, I have a quiz for you today. Are you ready for a quiz? The quiz is called, Can You Name? So can you name the five richest people in the world? Get a couple of them, right? I heard one of them. <laughs> uh, what about this one? Can you name the last five Heisman Trophy winners? Just lost a bunch of you right there, right? Uh, what about the last five World Series winners? Astros, right? Yeah, good. I threw that one in there because uh, I think the Astros have two of those last five, right? So, but I couldn't name the other three of the last five. What about the last five Miss America pageant winners? Or maybe the People Magazine Sexiest Man Alive winners? Can you name any of those people? Um, I don't know, they're laughing, maybe they can name them, that's a little concern, that's a whole new sermon, no, I'm just kidding. Um, can you name your, uh, can you name the last five Nobel or Pulitzer Prize winners? How many of those, right? Well, I don't know if we did that well, I didn't do that well on that quiz, but I have another quiz for you, part two of the quiz. Can you name a boss or a coworker who has contributed the most to your career? Can you name the most influential coach in your life growing up if you played sports? Or maybe the coach with the worst influence in your sports life growing up. <laughs> We've had a couple of, the, no, I'm just kidding. Um, can you name someone who taught you what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman? Can you name your favorite teacher growing up? Thank God for our teachers, right? What a ministry that is. That can be a full-time Christian service right there is being a teacher. Our son that just graduated high school, they do a senior walk here in Montgomery ISD where you get to go back to your elementary school and get to walk the halls in your cap and gown and it's motivating for those little kids. They love it. Um, and we were there. We went as well. The parents can go and we're walking them down. It's really funny. One of the little kids said, are you the baseball coach? said that to me as I was walking along behind them. I was kind of proud because our baseball team is doing awesome. They're still in the playoffs. And I was like, yeah, 
Yeah, no, I didn't lie. I didn't lie. I didn't take credit for that. But it was interesting to go up and down those halls in elementary school and to see those seniors pack into certain rooms. They went into certain rooms. A whole bunch of them would go into like Mrs. Wilson's room and that kind of thing. Thankful for those teachers. So our quiz today, question from that is what really matters? Is it wealth, athleticism, beauty, intelligence, or is it relationships, right? But you see, the problem is you can't choose all of your relationships. You can't choose what family you get born into or what family you get adopted into. We chose two of our kids, adopted them. They didn't get to choose us, right? They were stuck with us. <laughs> all three of my kids were uh, athletes. My daughter and my older son had the 6A Texas High School cross-country coach of the year as their coach. That's pretty amazing. Texas is a big state to win the coach of the year. My younger son had the 5A Texas high school basketball coach of the year as his coach. Pretty blessed. My oldest and youngest also have had some difficult coaching experiences as well that they had to endure at no fault of their own. They didn't get to choose the coach, right? When you go to public high school, maybe any high school, you don't get to choose your coach. But so they did grow through those experiences though. So you don't get to choose all of your relationships growing up, but the older you get, you do get to choose a lot of your relationships, and it really matters. The people you surround yourself with really matter. Are you surrounding yourself with the right people? I wanna encourage you today to get connected here at the church. Get connected into a Bible study or a life group. We have them that meet in neighborhoods. We have the arena Bible study. We have the men's Bible study and the ladies' Bible study. We have it for lots of different ways to try to get you connected with some other believers and to surround yourself with the right people. Or maybe start serving in hospitality or in the parking lot. Find some friends that you wanna do life with. Our kids' ministry really needs volunteers right now, especially going into the summer. Some people take a break in the summer. Maybe you could just be a summer volunteer and go help out in the kids' ministry Start chasing God and look around and see who else is chasing God with you, right? And then team up with those people. Surround yourself with those people. Philippians chapter two. Turn there with me in your Bible. Uh, maybe open it on your phone, on your digital Bible. If you wanna be in the New Living Translation, if you wanna go word for word with what I'm reading, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation if you wanna select that one. Let's read Philippians 2, verses 19 through 30. It says, If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself like a son with his father. He has served with me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you as soon as I find out what is going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. And he was your messenger to help me in my need. I am sending him because he has been longing to see you and he was very distressed that you heard that he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him 
and also on me so that I would not have one sorrow after another. So I am all the more anxious to send him back to you for I know you will be glad to see him and then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy and give him the honor. This is the part that ties to Memorial Day. Give him the honor that people like him deserve for he risked his life for the work of Christ and he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. Did you hear those last two verses and how they relate to Memorial Day? Paul says to give Epaphroditus the honor that people like him deserve, he risked his life for the work of Christ and he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do for far away. That sounds like our military to me. We need to give them the honor that they deserve. They risked their lives to the point of death while doing for us what we couldn't do from far away. The difference is that Epaphroditus did live through that and he did make it back to them. Uh, we need to remember and honor those who didn't uh, make it home and uh, bless the Lord for them, thank them for him. It also sounds like our missionaries. Our missionaries are people that we need to give honor to. It says give honor to people that deserve it. Our missionaries risk their lives at the point of death. Some of them are go and serve in very dangerous situations, maybe in the Middle East or in other countries where it's illegal to be a missionary. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> it says, while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. That's what our missionaries do. They do for us what we couldn't do from far away. <clears throat> it's, and we should honor them we have a practice here that when we introduce missionaries, most every time we stand and give them a standing ovation when they come up on the stage and we honor them like that. And I just love that. I think we need to do that. This is a missions church. It has been from the beginning. Pastor Randy and Pastor Darla were missionaries themselves for 13 years. And they planted this church as just a missions church and we just continue to support missionaries around the world. And I think that's why, one of the reasons why the Lord continues to bless us. And so let's keep giving honor to those missionaries who come here. Pastor Darla was in the last service and she gave me a big amen on that one whenever we did that one. So since Paul says to honor this man Epaphroditus, let's look at this passage. Let's look at Timothy and Epaphroditus and see what we can learn from them. So go back up uh, to verse 19, the first verse in this passage. It says, if the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Lord willing. Have you ever heard somebody say, Lord willing? This says, if the Lord Jesus is willing. I wanna encourage you to put that into your vocabulary, to say, Lord willing. I wanna show it to you in another passage in scripture as well to just kind of bolster my uh, point about how this is biblical, to say, Lord willing. It's also found in the book of James chapter four. Listen to this. This is James 4, 13 through 17. But you kind of have to hear it with some attitude. If you really hear it the way I think James meant to say it, you have to say it with some attitude. So here's how it goes. It says, now listen. You who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting 
is evil. Wow, we don't want to be like that, right? But that's our attitude sometimes if we see ourselves as in charge. See, practically what this do, by saying Lord willing, practically what it does is it acknowledges that the Lord's in charge, right? It reminds us, it keeps us humble and submitted to the fact that he is in charge of our lives. So I wanna encourage you to say Lord willing. This shirt, is, our student ministry did this shirt. I don't know if you can see it back there or if you can see it online, but it says, God's plan, trust the process. That's just a reminder. Uh, I just got this a week or so ago. What a great reminder, though, to trust the process. We should say, Lord willing. It's tough for us as Americans, but it helps us remember that he's in charge and we're not follow his plan. Jesus said before he went to the cross, not my will, but thine be done, right? So let's look at Timothy a little bit more. He goes on to say in verse 20, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. Wow, he says, no one else like Timothy. See, Paul knew lots of people in the local church. At the end of the book of Romans, Paul mentions 27 people by name. So he knew 27 people there in Rome, in the church in Rome, by name. How many more do you think he knew if he was able to name 27 of them in the book of Romans? Probably knew lots of people there. And he said, I have no one else like Timothy. So this guy must be someone to model our lives after, right? Sorry, my throat, I got this tickle in my throat and it's driving me crazy. (coughs) Sorry. He says, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares. No one like him who genuinely cares. How can you tell if someone genuinely cares? I think we can if we have some discernment. I think animals can even tell if you genuinely care, right? If you're dating somebody and your dog doesn't even like them, (laughs) maybe you should uh, move on from that one, right? Find somebody else. Anyone here familiar with uh, equine therapy? Yeah. Why is equine therapy? Equine therapy is like a team approach where you have a mental health professional and a horse specialist working together and the, uh, the client is working with the horse And the reason it's so effective, I discovered a few years back, is that you can't lie to the horse. You can lie to your therapist, right? Don't raise your hand if you've done that, right? But you can lie to your therapist, but you can't lie to the horse. If you're frustrated and you're trying to lead that horse, the horse picks up on your emotions, and it just tells that counselor or that trained uh, mental health worker a lot about what's going on. Animals are perceptive like that. I think animals are, can be so therapeutic. Uh, even on your worst day, your dog still wants to see you when you get home, right? <laughs> the dog still loves you and is excited to see you. That unconditional love that you get is, uh, is pretty awesome. So <clears throat> animals can be like that. But in this passage, this was a sobering thought for me to think about. This is convicting for me to think about what Paul said here, that only Timothy genuinely cares 
for others and for the interests of God. He didn't say that the other leaders were heretical, like they had bad doctrine or they were apostates and falling away from the faith. He didn't say anything like, he just said that they sought their own interests. And you see, the people that Paul knew were people in the church. Because Paul's in prison. The only way he knew these people is when they came to see him and he got to teach from prison. He was like under house arrest and he was still able to teach in the church. But he didn't know anybody that didn't come to see him as Christians. But he said they sought their own interests. How convicting is that for us today? Are we just seeking our own interests and kind of playing church? So the application for us today, we might could think of it like this. The application for us today is are we gonna be Philippians 2.21? Are we gonna be Philippians 1.21? We just read Philippians 2.21 that says they cared only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But in Philippians 1.21, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's the way we need to live. You see, we all live in one of those two places. We're all turning 21. It's just which 21 are you turning? Are you turning 121 for me to live as Christ and to die as gain? Are you turning 221 where you care only for yourself and not for what matters to Jesus Christ? That's a convicting thought, isn't it? So how do we do this? I wanna give you some how, not just some what. I don't wanna just lay guilt on you that you've gotta live for Christ and you've gotta not be selfish any longer. I wanna give you some how as well. Pastor Randy's been leading some of us through a course called The Art of Teaching and he's been investing into us as preachers and teaching us how to do some public speaking and uh, part of the emphasis just recently was about teaching people how, not just teaching people what. If we don't tell you how, then how can you put it into practice, right? So I was applying this to my sermon today and I was thinking, how do I tell them how to do this? I can tell them, turn 21 and live for Christ. But how do we do that? How do we have the same attitude as Christ? And Paul's been preaching this throughout this book already. We've been teaching this book in the Digging Deep Bible Study. And so I've been teaching through Philippians and he's been saying, have the attitude of Christ. He's been saying, humble yourself as Christ did when Christ went to the cross. He's been teaching us how to do this and how to have joy and unity and all of these things. But I think the reason he puts Timothy here and he puts Epaphroditus here at this point is to just illustrate it through real people. And then see, that's how we do it. The way we do this is, for, is by getting around people who do it already. We learn how by seeing it in action. So Paul gives us these two illustrations of real people who live this out. And they're illustrations of the whole book of Philippians. And he sticks them right here in the middle of the book and he says, Timothy and Epaphroditus, they're doing it. I'm gonna send them to you and then I'm gonna come see you as well. So that's how we learn it. Of course, another way is through suffering. And also in this book, he talks about the fellowship of the suffering of Jesus. And if you've been through suffering, most of us have. If we've lived long enough in this fallen world, we've been through some suffering of one type or another. A death, a loss, a sickness of our own, uh, a job loss, whatever it might be, we've been through some suffering 
And sometimes we look back at that time and we look back at it as a time where we really pressed into Christ. We really participated with him and it was a sweet time of closeness with him that we almost miss later when we're past that season of suffering. Sometimes we don't approach suffering that way and we just suffer. But uh, that's another way is through suffering that's taught here in this book. But let's keep going through our verses for today. Look at verses 22 through 24. He's still talking about Timothy here. He's holding him up as a model for us of how to do it. He says, but you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served with me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what is going to happen to me here. And I have confidence in the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon as well. So Paul calls Timothy his true son in the faith. And he does this in multiple places. He writes a whole book of 1 Timothy, the whole book of 2 Timothy to Timothy, and he calls him his true son in the faith. <clears throat> uh, the Lord has blessed me here at this church with a guy named David Reynolds. I don't know if you know David Reynolds, but he's teaching the Dig and Deep Bible study for me right now in the other room. And he is like a true son for me in the faith. He's been serving here. He's gone through our leadership school that we have here. Now he's going through our ministry school. Probably in another year, he'll be a licensed uh, Assemblies of God minister. And uh, he is like a true son in the faith for me. And I'm just so proud of him that he gets to work here now as well as the assistant director of family life. But I also have two sons in the faith as well. My oldest has always served with me. Some of y'all know Sam, and he's always served with me. He's the one that's always wanted to get up early and come like on the Easter sunrise service and help me or stay late after an event. He's uh, worked in our media services department around here, and uh, he just has a calling on his life. And then also my youngest son, the one that just graduated from high school, last year he and I got to speak together at a father-son men's event here at the church. And what a joy that was for me as a father. And he's going off to college now to study Christian ministry. So I have two sons in the faith as well. I'm very blessed like that. And that was Timothy. Now let's look at Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, verse 25, it says, Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. And he is, was your messenger to help me in my need. I am sending him because he has been longing to see you. And he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me. So I would not have one sorrow after another. So I'm all the more anxious to send him back to you. For I know you'll be glad to see him and then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy and give him the honor that people like him deserve for he risked his life for the work of the Christ and he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. This is Epaphroditus. We mentioned him at the beginning of the sermon about Memorial Day weekend, how he risked his life and he did for them what they couldn't do from far away. But who is this guy? You've probably heard of Timothy. People still name their sons Timothy, right? Does anybody know anybody named Epaphroditus? <laughs> I mean, if you do, come find me afterwards, maybe. I, I would be interested to know that. Epaphroditus, who is this guy? He's only mentioned here in this book of Philippians. Remember, he gets sick and almost dies. <clears throat> His name actually sounds like a sickness. Like sinusitis, maybe that's what I have going on. I got this drainage and I can't talk. <coughs> or <clears throat> appendicitis, 
or diverticulitis, and then we have Epaphroditus, right? What a name. I guess that's why nobody names their son Epaphroditus. But this guy is a great example for us of how to live. Paul commends him and says, he describes him in five ways. He says that he's a true brother, a co-worker, a fellow soldier, a messenger, and a minister to my needs. This guy is the example for us to follow. We need to find people like him in our lives, people that are chasing after God like that, and then get around those people and figure out how to do it. And how to be that kind of person for someone else as well. So Timothy and Epaphroditus are our examples today. I wanna um, give you hope as we close the service today, tell you a little bit more about Timothy and Epaphroditus. Timothy didn't grow up in the church his whole life. He didn't just grow up and just flow into being a true son in the faith. His dad was an absentee dad. Maybe that's you today. Maybe your dad wasn't around. Maybe you had a dad. Maybe you didn't have a dad. Maybe you had a single mom. Apparently, Timothy's mom was a godly woman, and she raised him, and then, uh, but what an identity for Timothy to have to be called a true son in the faith because he didn't have a father figure in his life. So if that's you today and you're sitting here and you're like making, using that as an excuse, that takes kind of the excuse away, right? Uh, now at this point in your life, you need to surround yourself with some Christian men and uh, chase after the Lord and learn how to be a, a man of God. That's Timothy. Epaphroditus his name means, um, in the middle of his name is the word Aphrodite. Epaphroditus has Aphrodite in his name. If you remember Aphrodite, that was one of the Greek goddesses, right? So his name meant belonging to Aphrodite. So it's like he was committed to this sex goddess kind of thing. He came from a very non-Christian background, right? Maybe you didn't grow up in the church. Maybe um, this is all new for you. Epaphrodite becomes a man of God that seeks after the Lord. And uh, so that's what we can do today. I wanna close this service in prayer and give you an opportunity to commit your life to follow the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me? I wanna give you a chance to say, Lord willing. Remember we talked about Lord willing? You can't say Lord willing unless he's the Lord of your life. I want you to give you a chance to make him the Lord of your life. Maybe you've done this before. Maybe you haven't. Maybe it's been a long time and you've just been living for yourself, belonging to the world, doing your own thing, seeking your own interests like it talked about in this passage. If you wanna make Jesus the Lord of your life today, I wanna give you the opportunity. I wanna pray with you. With everybody's heads bowed, if you just raise your hand and say, I wanna make Jesus the Lord of my life today. I'm serious, I wanna make the commitment. Raise your hand, I wanna pray with you. Anybody want to make Jesus the Lord of life? They're serious. They're tired of playing games. They don't want to seek their own interests. They want to make him the Lord of their lives. All right, I don't see any hands, but let's all just say a prayer together and uh, ask him to be the Lord of our life again. Would you like to do that? Let's just all say it together. Say, Lord Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me the power to serve you 
and to seek not my own interests, but to seek you first. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Let's stand and I have one more closing word for you. <clears throat> I just wanna challenge you to grab hold of a takeaway today. I want you to have an action step that you put into place today. Maybe it's to say, Lord willing, and to just put that in your vocabulary and say, Lord willing, and every time you do, it's gonna be a reminder that I'm not in charge, it's Lord willing, if the Lord sees fit, right? Or maybe it's to honor someone. Maybe you need to make a phone call or write a letter and you need to honor someone. It says to honor people who risk their lives and honor people who give their lives for the work of Christ. Maybe you've had a spiritual father in your life that you need to honor or a spiritual mother in your life that you need to turn around and let them know about that and honor them. Maybe you need to become a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. You think I can't do that, but you just need to be a little bit further ahead down the road than someone else. And then you will grow by reaching back and uh, leading someone on. Or maybe you need to be a spiritual son or a spiritual daughter and submit yourself to that and find some people to put yourself around. Whatever it is, you're turning 21, right? We make a big deal in our American society about turning 21, don't we? It's kind of like a big milestone. And we do it the wrong way a lot of times, turning 21, right? It's about alcohol, about all those kind of things. But let's make a commitment to turn 21 and for me to live as Christ. And to die would be gain because that means I would be with Christ forever, right? So let's uh, make that commitment. Let's, uh, let's pray one more time as we close. I just wanna pray that blessing over you. If you wanna receive this blessing, just lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I pray a blessing over each person here that they would turn 21 and live for you, that they wouldn't live for themselves, but they would seek your interests and they would seek what you have for their lives. Help us to be more like you and to be in a spiritual community and a friendship. Help us to surround ourselves with the right people in our lives and to chase after you. I just pray that blessing on each person that's here today and each person watching online. We love you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you would like special prayer, we have a prayer team down here at the front, or you can just come to these altars and spend some time with the Lord. With the Lord. Thank you so much.